Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we'll play some of the jokes from the White House Correspondents' Dinner coming up. It might be the last one that they have of those. Good. Um, For a variety of reasons, not just the comedian's performance, but a couple of headlines over the weekend. No, no. If this was a glitch or an aberration, then, you know, you'd shrug your shoulders and move on, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, New York Times over the weekend. Should genealogy databases be used to solve crimes? The Golden State Killer case has set off a debate over privacy and ethical issues. Another article. Method used to track serial killer as experts worried. Um, and then the story came out over the weekend that there was at least, I think it was last year, they went to a different old guy in an old folks home and swabbed that dude, thinking that he was the dude. And Oops, sorry, you're not. Geezer swabbers. You're just a regular old guy, not huh. a uh, heinous murder, murderer. Right, right. Well, we're joined now by Paul Holz, a newly retired Contra Costa, California County uh, cold case investigator. He had hunted John Joseph D'Angelo for years and was instrumental in the use of open source DNA, genealogy information, etc. that led to the arrest of the monster. Uh, Mr. Holz joins us now. Paul, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. We appreciate the time. We know you're a busy guy. Or less busy now, I guess. You just retired, right? Uh, I was actually retired uh, when we caught this guy. Oh, okay. So you're consulting. Fabulous. So how did the idea come up 
to uh, to use these websites? You know, there was another case that I was involved with back in 2002 in which the genealogy aspects uh, helped answer some questions. And then it was just a matter of how could we use it to solve this guy that I've been chasing for 24 years. And, and when you got a hit, quote-unquote, on one of these websites, how broad a group of people did it lead you to? Was it a, a dozen people? Was it a thousand? Well, yeah, when you search this type of database, basically you're looking for people who share a certain amount of DNA with the profile that you've uploaded. And in this particular case, we got people on the order of third cousins, and we're looking about maybe 20 people that fell within that relatedness of the offender. What's a third cousin to help me out? So a third cousin is somebody, if you go back in time, you are related to a third cousin at the great, great, great grandparent level. So we were actually looking for people related to the Golden State Killer who were born back in the early 1800s. Okay, and the reason I bring that up is because if, 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 if all of our DNA ends up out there in some database, which is probably where it'll end up, just like all our phone numbers and addresses are, um, then you go fairly far back with third cousin relationship, won't a lot of us be getting phone calls saying, hey, where were you uh, the summer of uh, 2005? We think you murdered somebody. Won't, won't we all be being asked those questions? No, in, in, in fact, uh, with this type of uh, testing, very few people that we're looking at, are actually, their DNA is actually in the database. 99% of the people that are in these family trees are already deceased. What the DNA does is, give us a starting data point and i have to underscore what i am looking at is not the person's dna profile we can't download that profile we can't manipulate that profile all i see is this person has a certain percentage and it's typically a small percentage of dna that is shared with the offender profile and then it's a matter of traditional genealogy work tracking back to find a common ancestor Interesting. How long did all this take? This took, once we got that DNA profile, it's a special type of DNA profile for the offender, it took us four months. When you think about this investigation, you know, you count the Visalia Ransacker series that started in 1974 that this guy did. 44 years law enforcement has been chasing this guy. It took us four months once we started. Wow, that's that's amazing. So were you involved uh, with... The actual uncovering of the guy's name and then the checking of names, dates, etc. that that kind of validated that he was a suspect? That was. Uh, my last day, uh, I, I was actively investigating him. And at that point in time, I, I couldn't say, this is a guy. He just looked somewhat promising. I drove up from the Bay Area up to Citrus Heights and parked in front of his house just trying to evaluate who this guy was. So three weeks ago, uh, we were kind of thinking he was possibly the guy we were looking for, but we weren't absolutely sure. Geez, that had to be something to be sitting outside of that guy's house. Did you actually spot him a couple of times? I didn't see him, but the car was in the driveway. I knew he was home. But again, I didn't, you know, I've been down this road so many times during the typical investigative work that I was doing. He was just—he was another guy that looked promising, and I was even thinking, "What's the likelihood this is the guy?" You know, I even hmm. contemplated going up and knocking on his door and saying, "Hey, you know, this is who I am, and let me let me let's chat for a little bit." But then I, I drove off because I didn't know enough about him. Well, and and what do you think of that uh, decision in retrospect? 
I think that was a very wise decision. This is a dangerous man. He had numerous guns registered to him. He probably would have recognized me standing at that front door, and things could have gone very badly. Right. Or at the very least, he flees after you have your conversation. Wow, but you were, you were actually sitting there trying to decide whether to approach him? Exactly. Interesting. And instincts told you no. Pretty much. It was one of those things. I don't know. He could be the guy, and the various possibilities, if he is the guy, what would happen, were running through my head, and that's what caused me to drive off. Well, I always make the wrong decision when I'm presented with those that kind of things. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Um, uh, so the, I mentioned a couple of articles, and there were many over the last several days of, whoa, 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 let's slow down. Is this something we need to take a look at? Do you have any concerns about this uh, this method? You know, I, I absolutely understand people's concerns regarding, you know, privacy and, and, and the DNA up there. I do know in terms of this particular type of testing, you know, I know what I see, and I see very little about that person. It's just a number. 63.5 gives me an idea how closely or how distantly related. There's much more intimate details that are people are putting online on their Facebook pages and other social media accounts and just Googling them that, uh, yeah, than what I could get from this. So I think people just need to understand that this is very limited information from these types of sites that we're accessing. Well, should we all, when we're born, when we have kids, uh, you know, have this information put in a database somewhere, we'd solve a lot of crimes that way, wouldn't we? Well, we'd solve a lot of crimes, but I don't know that that's what the direction that we want to go to as a society. It most certainly is something for us within law enforcement. You know, the investigative potential is is pretty good. But, you know, society needs to debate on how we want to access this type of information moving forward. Paul Holes is a newly retired Contra Costa County cold case investigator, helped out on the apprehension of the murdering rapist uh, D'Angelo. Um, talking about the the use of DNA and open sources. And it was open sources. I mean, I I read in one account somebody say that you guys didn't do anything that I could have done, that I couldn't do on a Tuesday afternoon, just looking up my family history, right? That's absolutely correct. You know, the the primary website that we use is GEDmatch is an open source database. and, And people who put their DNA profile into this database have to opt in to say, I want my DNA profile searched across the other people who are opting in to make their DNA profiles public. Would you recommend people do that or not? Well, if they're wanting to get the most information about their ancestral origins, it's an awesome tool. And I know I have no fears of putting, I I actually experimented with my own family member's DNA trying to learn the process so it really is not something that I have any fears of personally. You're not afraid, afraid somebody will clone a monster version of Paul Holes and turn it loose <laughs> on the populace and ruin your good name? No, not at all. Well, you mean, you're a naive you fool, sir. <laughs> I, I, I kid. It, uh, it's really, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was leading up to uh, the question of were you there when he was identified, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I I'd lost my train of thought, but I was going to ask. When it became clear to you that you had the guy after these decades and the horrors of his crime and the frustration of not bringing him to justice, what does that feel like? Well, it's absolutely surreal. It, you know, when I was initially told, it was 
stunned silence going, you know, really? You know, and after 24 years, he's just been a masked man in my mind. And then when he's brought in after arrest and is sitting in the interview room and I'm looking at him on the, the, the monitor that we're using to watch the interviews, thinking I finally have a face that I, I, the mask has now been taken off. It, that was an awesome feeling. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, it must have been. Well, is it fair to say that people can't get away with this sort of thing in the modern era just because of the technology that exists? Oh, absolutely. I don't think anybody, no matter how savvy the offender is today, there's no way they could get away with the the, the types of crimes he was committing and to the extent, you know, with home alarm systems. You know, when this guy's attacking, it was back in the 70s, very few people had home alarm systems, video surveillance uh, law enforcement uh, technologies that are available would very quickly, uh, you know, encircle and, and, and be able to figure out who this guy is. You know, one final note on that uh, topic, Paul. I, I've read in, uh, you know, on a couple of occasions about the situation with rape kits and evidence and, and all uh, in the United States. And I think I read about it in California that it's been collected, but it hasn't been processed. What do you know about that? Well, I've been in the middle of that as well in terms of these untested sexual assault kits. And that is something that uh, just across the nation has always been an issue. And I know that historically, where I'm out of in Contra Costa County, there is always an intelligent decision made. Of, is there probative evidence in these, these rape kits to actually analyze it? But then you also have to consider these victims were subjected, their bodies were subjected to the evidence collection. And and there's a, you owe something to the victims in order to say, okay, you you allowed us to collect this evidence. We're going to go ahead and move forward with processing that evidence uh, just because you allowed that, even though the case circumstances would tend to indicate that there isn't probative evidence in there. Okay, interesting. We could probably talk at length about that. But uh, Paul Holes, newly retired Contra Costa County cold case investigator. Paul, we really appreciate the insights and listen to you and everybody on the team. Well done. Well done. Well, thank you very much, guys. Good to talk. Let's do it again sometime. So what's the argument against? We all uh, put our information out there in some big database, and as soon as a crime's committed, they, boom, they put it in a computer, they immediately know. It's Jim Jones, 123 Mockingbird Lane. Let's go get him. Or if it's not him, it's his brother. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, there are, there are a number of somewhat nightmarish scenarios that are a long way off, but, I mean, if you'd sure solve a lot of crimes that way. Yeah. And that... it'd make people commit less crimes because you're going to get caught. Yeah, that's true. That which is known is hacked in the modern era, which is one problem. There are plenty of people who would buy and sell that information with some nasty ramifications we can talk about. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. I feel like we should play a couple more jokes from the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner. From the the last White House Correspondents' (laughs) Dinner. (laughs) Probably. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
22. It's 2018 and I'm a woman, so you cannot shut me up. Unless you have Michael Cohen wire me $130,000. See, that's kind of funny. Democrats are harder to make fun of because you guys don't do anything. You helped create this monster and now you're profiting off of him. And if you're going to profit off of Trump, you should at least give him some money because he doesn't have any. So um, that's Michelle Wolf. That's her name, correct? Uh, she was a writer for The Daily Show, and uh, she was the comedian chosen to um, uh, give the monologue at the White House Press Correspondence Center, which we played clips from year after year after year after year, and they're, they're usually pretty good. But the whole the, the tenor of the whole thing has always has always been so strange. You got the the press cozying up to the people that they're supposed to cover, and it's just like one big party where I don't know. It's always looked to me like they let down their guard. <laughs> And let us see what they're actually like behind yeah, the scenes. Finally admit the truth. They're all just friends hanging out. And yeah, and they are. They're all part of the same TV show slash profit center. We don't have the follow follow. I'm sorry, the follow up to the the Democrats. You don't do anything. Joke. That was the funniest Democrat joke. What was it? You guys managed to lose to twelve points to a guy named what was it? Doctor Pedophile von Nazi or something like that. So um, I actually uh, listened to some of it, read a lot of it, and thought the jokes were they're fine. They're what they, they what they usually are. Some of them, some of them were pretty over the top. I've got one in a second, but it's 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 what the thing is that bothers me, and that's what um, for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why. Everybody kind of decided, and I I took in a lot of this over the weekend, and I mean liberal journalists. Obviously, conservative journalists all thinking, you know, this is this is not working. This is not something really wrong with this. Right. And everybody seems to agree all of a sudden. Reminds me a lot of the Academy Awards. Similar self-congratulations fests. I saw this opinion piece in the Washington Post, I think. While Trump rarely sets a good example for anyone, this person had to point out. His decision to hold a campaign-style rally in Michigan on Saturday instead of going to the correspondence dinner might be an exception. Trump got to look like a man of the people, a guy who talks to the language of auto workers and waitresses. Journalists who, whose purported mission is to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted were meanwhile partying with their sources at a Washington Hilton. Yeah, I think Trump really won the evening on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what, what is more relatable. Well, and the shark began its powerful leap to cite the oft-used metaphor, uh, in the last couple of years, when it became a celebrity-studded, weirdly Hollywood-esque opportunity to rub elbows, not only with the powerful, but the glamorous and the famous. And it went from, you know, like a, well, not like, a fundraiser dinner that was held to no particular acclaim or attention by journalists who were part of an association to advance journalism. And then it became just a coverage-soaked fame fest. Kind of a disgusting way. So listen to this joke. Um, Mike Pence is the kind of guy that brushes his teeth and then drinks orange juice and thinks, mmm. Mike Pence is also very anti-choice. He thinks abortion is murder, which, first of all, don't knock it till you've tried it. And when you do try it, really knock it out. You know, you got to get that baby out of there. Oh, my God. That is some joke. Oh, my God. And, yes, you can groan all you want. I know a lot of you are very anti-abortion. You know, unless it's the one you got for your secret mistress, it's fun how values can waver, but good for you. And then there's some other pointed truth there, I suppose. Yeah, but that that's but, not a um, counter-argument. No, no, it's not. 
Uh, <laughs> that's that's a pretty rough joke. God See, dang it! That that kind of that particular joke flies in practically nowhere America, right? Except for that room, yeah. Which well groaned, said. That room groaned at it. Yeah, so it doesn't fly anywhere. Things are changing. Men are being held accountable. You know, Al Franken was ousted. That one really hurt liberals. But I believe it was the great Teddy Kennedy who said, wow, that's crazy. I murdered a woman. Chappaquiddick in theaters now. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. You know what? I'll give her credit for being willing to inflame the room. The chick has stones. Yeah, that's something. It's kind of the comedy, right? It either all has to be... Fair game or none of it can be. Yeah, that, well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It reminds me of watching Daniel Tosh. Yep, exactly. Saying, oh, that offended you? You'd wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, you know, these are these are different discussions. I'm willing to discuss this woman as a comedian completely independent of the event. The event I find whorish and hypocritical and, and disturbing. I know a lot of you want me to talk about Russia and Putin and collusion, but I'm not going to do that because there's a lot of liberal media here, and I've really never wanted to see what your orgasm face looks like. That's a funny joke. <laughs> Except for maybe you, Jake Tapper. I bet it's something like this. Okay, that's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> that's solid. I know. That's a good joke. That's good. <laughs> What's, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the buzz is growing about a Nobel Peace Prize for President Trump. Nobel! Nobel! we got a deadly attack in Afghanistan as the war grinds on, and there's a new study just released. Women are attracted to men with strong hands. Stories coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Gitty. Mm, interesting. Great golf ball 280 yards with these hands. Once again, grip strength comes back. Yes. Who knew grip strength was such a big deal? Indeed. Apparently it is. Uh, all that on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Bill Cosby's apparently preparing for prison. What he is saying to people close to him is sort of interesting, so stay tuned. Say that's a good move. Yeah, because that's where you're going. Drink this? Is that what he's saying? Uh, By the way, um, so the headline out of the comedian in Washington, D.C. was that she made a joke about Sarah Huckabee Sanders' appearance. And everybody decided that was absolutely off limits. First of all, the joke was about her lying, not about her appearance, really. And, it just, it and secondly, made reference to her eyeshadow. Whoop de crap! It referenced her eyeshadow yeah. in connection with the fact that she's a liar. It didn't even say there's anything wrong with her eyeshadow. But even if they did, if they if she had full out said Sarah Huckabee Sanders is fat and looks terrible, so you can do that with men all day long, but you can't women. Is that what we what we've settled on in the in the world of equality? You can make fun of Trump's uh, skin color and hair all day long, but you can't make fun of Sarah Huckabee's eyeshadow? Is that what we've decided is equality? I don't need to make fun of anybody. I'm fine if all of it goes away, I suppose, but... We need rules, strict rules about comedy. But doesn't that seem a little strange? Aren't you saying that men you can make fun of because they're what? Stronger? They can take it. Emotionally more... They're not mostly valued on their appearance. So you can get away with it. We talked about this the other day when I was discussing whether I could um, uh, call Angela Merkel a fat coward. Called plenty of dudes that. Right. But are we deciding that women can't handle that or it's just not cool? It's not cool. I don't think it's cool. I wouldn't make fun of Sarah Huckabee's land. I would never make a joke like that. Well, I want you to say the words. Never again. 
Will I utter a Chris Christie fat joke? I'm not gonna, I'm not, I want to hear those words no, out of your mouth. I will make fun of the men's appearance, make not the women's. The vow. But it's kind of strange, don't you think? Yes. Well, yes. Yes, it is. But, you know, I'll bore you for hours if you'd like on the topic of to be equal is not to be the same. And, and God help us if women were ever the same as men. Take a lot of, I would hate that. Take a lot of the fun out of sex? Uh, for instance. For me, anyway. Well, let's, let's, I couldn't figure out how. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump is suggesting his upcoming meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un should take place along the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. Trump making his suggestion on Twitter this morning. Numerous countries are being considered for the meeting, but... Would Peace House, Freedom House, and the border of North and South Korea be a more representative, important, and lasting site than a third-party country? Clearly, yes. It's settled, Marshall. Set the table. Yep. He says... Head on in there. Forks on the left. Why are forks on the left when everybody's right-handed? Trump ends uh, that tweet with, just asking, you know, at his rally in Michigan on Saturday... (laughs) You're the the POTUS. You can call the people involved personally and ask them. (laughs) At his rally in Michigan on Saturday, Trump was talking about his involvement with North Korea's turnaround. They were saying, what do you think uh, President Trump had to do with it? I'll tell you what. Like, how about everything? And the crowd started chanting, Nobel, Nobel. That's something. That's something. That's very nice. Thank you. I understand why I understand why he's doing it, I guess, but in terms of um, the rest of the world, discussing who ought to get credit for it or who gets blame in past administrations, I, it just seems unproductive to me. Yeah, uh, it's just partisan silliness. Yeah, we exactly. get this we get this uh, tweet from Mike. Trump won the day, LOL, you guys are so funny. You you lose credibility every time you defend this fool. Mike, you remind me very much of the people who could never give Barack Obama credit for anything. You think you can, like, shame us into it? But, all right, okay. Meanwhile, South Korea, uh, South Korean President Moon does agree. He says President Trump should get a Nobel Peace Prize for his efforts with North Korea over its nuclear weapons. Top hey, by, by the way, I'm sorry, but there's more to that? No, go ahead. But I was just going to say, the question itself, I heard him discussing this on Morning Jose this morning. About how uh, the question was asked to one of their eggheads, uh, should Trump get credit, blah, blah, blah? And the answer, well, really, really, I suppose you could credit him with uh, taking advantage of the opportunity. But the key figure in this is the fascinating Kim Jong-un, the young ruler who's sought a new era, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to hand him all the credit as if it's one or the other. And not, you know, a a thousand interconnected and fast-moving parts and factors and domestic issues and international circumstances and China and their demographics. I mean, it's just it's a question for either stupid people or people who are trying to get people to the polls. Isn't it a question for five years from now that historians will answer? Or 50. In the middle of it, before it's even happened, it seems like an odd time to be Who should get the credit? For what? Meanwhile, the top Democrat in the House Intelligence uh, Committee, Representative Adam Schiff, says there is more than a ray of light now in the Trump administration's dealings with Kim over his nuclear program, Schiff credits. The combination of the president's unpredictability and indeed his bellicosity uh, had something to do with the North Koreans deciding uh, to come to the table. I would put Adam Schiff at the top of people I hate list in terms of seeing them on television or radio. He's a miserable son of a bitch. Which brings us to... The, uh, what's, I always forget his name. He's got a weird name. The senator from Montana. uh, Tester. 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 That's right. 
testicle. That's how I'll remember it. Um, who was That's a very grown up of you assassinating the character of the White House uh, doctor fellow? Uh-huh. Some of the allegations trotted out in a memo from a United States senator now turn out to be completely fictional. In the style of Harry Reid, and as I've heard, Mitt Romney didn't pay any taxes. Just, comp- just so you know the depths of of uh, uh, you know completely amoral partisanship in D.C. these days. You got a sitting U.S. senator saying this guy can't be the VA guy because drunken car wrecks, for instance. Right. According to everybody, that never happened. That's amazing. My friends, it seems ladies are attracted to strong hands. Columbia University researchers looked at data from over 5,000 people that assessed participants' grip strength. Oh, yeah. Judy's always asking me to crush a couple of walnuts in front of her. That really gets things going, if you know what I mean. These were guys between the ages of 59 and 71, and the researchers found that men were less likely to be married if they had a weaker grip strength. You know, sometimes she'll ask me to open a jar of pickles, and I'll just crush it in my hand instead, and <laughs> a glass and pickle juice pickles. They go everywhere, but she loves it. The researchers say our results hint that women may be favoring partners who signal strength and vigor when they marry. Of course. There you go. Strength and vigor. So when do they when do they notice your grip strength, and what settings? It did not describe the settings uh, for the discovery of grip strength. Should you give a, when you meet a girl, should give her her arm a big squeeze or something? You're helping her onto your yacht, for instance, and she feels the power in your hands. Mm. You know, if you happen to be a yachter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That's why I often take women coconutting on our first date. Coconut. I'm just grabbing <laughs> coconuts, just... Twist them off yeah. like a like Don't a. Don't you need like a hammer, Sean? Nah. Don't you need a hammer or nah. an axe or something? <laughs> Not with these mitts, baby. <laughs> Crunch. So it turns out the, the female of the species wants a healthy, vigorous mate. That's interesting. Columbia University obvious. researchers discover this. Does it seem like everyone is always angry with you? There might be a reason for that. <laughs> oh, wow. According to a new study. Also, standing up at your desk not only makes you physically healthier, but it makes you smarter. Wow. it's a good one. Is Hank Azari going to stop doing a poo on The Simpsons after all the criticism that's come his way? Oh, for goodness sakes. Negative Indian stereotypes and whatnot. Perhaps we could uh, put together some of our favorite poo quotes before we get into that. Thank you. Come again. I spent more time in downtown Portland than I have in, in a while, and... The bumminess of it was absolutely striking. The increase in bumminess is yeah, unmistakable. Yeah. Okay, all that stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Fighting for the people actually wearing the hat 
to show people that we equal. You gotta see the vantage point of the people. What makes you feel equal makes them feel evil. See, that's the problem with this damn nation. All blacks gotta be Democrats. Man, we ain't made it off the plantation. We blame their regard for the people who quit. You in position. Don't you feel an obligation to them? I feel an obligation to show people new ideas. And if you wanna hear them, they go to right here. Make America great again. Have a negative perception. I took it, boy. Rocked it, gave it a new direction. Interesting. So Kanye West out with a new song since the whole uh, tweeting thing went off between him and Trump and his wife got involved and all that sort of stuff. Kanye's wife, that's Kim Kardashian. Uh, and uh, if, if nothing else, at least it's starting the whole conversation and Chance the Rapper got involved with the, hey, maybe all blacks don't have to always vote the same way. And right, right. Finally. Interesting. Yeah. More on that coming up in a little bit. I've got this America's polarization has nothing to do with ideology um, a theory that somebody has put forward, and I'll hit you with that. I think you'll find it something. I want to pay off this one thing, and then I'll shut up. Uh, why is it seems as if everyone is always angry with you? Thought it was an interesting article in the New York Times. Some people, they're not. Question, ex- is it because I'm always right? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that would be, uh, sure. People <laughs> resent your incredible intelligence wisdom. That's it. Um, they know that lots of people, that's people, mm. they know that lots of people have trouble reading neutral facial expressions because of their life experiences. Some people see a neutral facial expression as anger. And so they always think everybody's angry at them. I have that problem What my wife often thinks, uh-oh, what's wrong? I'll say, nothing. You look mad. I'm not mad. Wow. I'm not thinking about anything, man. Now, this is just my this is just my face when I'm doing nothing. Is this <laughs> resting biatch face syndrome or um, resting angry face, or is it more the recipient has dif- trouble differentiating? They see that's they, what you're saying. They see neutral faces as angry. Wow! And they did a study in which they showed all kinds of people pictures of human beings smiling, nothing, or angry. Right. And some people have three groups. Like I think I would. Right. Um, uh, some people only have two groups, happy or angry, and they they rank the neutral face, just the regular face, I got nothing happening here, as angry. And I, I swear I'm listening, but I want to make sure I understand. And they think it may have to do with life experience? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's intriguing. I'd it like is. to know more about that just because... I'm pretty sure I don't have that. You know, I've read a little about the whole facial recognition thing and babies and psychological experiments and that sort of thing, and it's it's way, way crazy deep in us to be able to immediately recognize friend or foe. Mm-hmm. <sighs> On the other hand, there's a real adaptive... Well, that's not the right term, but it's a really updatable file... So that if the guy in the next village came over, smashed you in the head, and tried to take your wife, you'd remember his face really, really well. So, wow. Anyway, it's possible if if it seems like everyone's always angry with you, you're misreading their neutral expressions. Possibility. Or you may be an ale. What if they yell, I hate you, I can't stand you regularly? Well, I'm still open to interpretation. (laughs) Okay. This is my negative face. I am angry with what you are doing. (laughs) This is not neutral. And it would help if perhaps when you asked, are you mad about something, people would answer honestly. Maybe we should adopt that as a species. <laughs> uh, I like the guessing game. I think it's a you need to guess why I'm mad. It's like playing Trivial Pursuit or something, but with emotions. 
<laughs> you got to guess. <laughs> but so if you felt like your waiter or waitress was angry at you because they have a blank expression all the time, it would be troubling. So Boy, is he mad at me for something? So we're out to breakfast yesterday, me, the wife, and the boy. It was good to see him. Uh, little visit over the weekend, and um, and uh, we, were, we were sitting there at this restaurant for a very long time, waiting for our food, uh, and uh, unnaturally long. And finally, we jokingly ordered a cinnamon roll, like a sticky bun, big thing. Very few things I like more than a cinnamon roll. Oh, my God, with some good coffee. Oh, please, heaven. Um and and so uh, we jokingly said, yeah, well, let's get, she actually asked, do you want that first or with the food? I said, let's do it as an appetizer, a breakfast appetizer. So I said, ha ha. So it's 45 minutes go by. And finally I said, listen, what happened to the, I said, oh yeah, I'm, let me check on it. Then she comes back and says, I f- it's my first day. I forgot to key in your order. <laughs> my first day. <laughs> so a really, really busy place. So you got your choice right there. Do you leap to your feet and fight her? No, Did I you stayed give her a pass my... and give her an extra tip to help her start on her way or something in between. No, I I uh stay tuned and I'll tell you. <laughs> now is when I'll tell you. Uh you know, I, I lit her up. I said, You're never gonna make it as a waitress. You're too dumb, first of all. <laughs> and then I went after her personal appearance. Did you tell her how much uh, your car is worth? <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Work that in somehow. Someday I'm gonna tell a story about a guy I know who's like that. But anyway, um <clears throat> Uh, no, 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 poor kid. Oh, she is absolutely mortified. So, yeah, I ended up, Judy and I figured out, because they knocked several things off the bill for us, which was upstanding. As they should. So, Judy and Declan and I went over it and figured out what the original uh, bill was going to be and, and, and tipped the gal. Uh, and then we decided, and this was a shower thought the other day. I don't think I actually aired it, um, but uh, it, it ought to be required for a semester in high school. Everybody do three months in food service and three months working retail. And there would be a hell of a lot fewer a-hole customers if that were to happen. You think so? Um, oh, absolutely. 100% agree with this. Because, for one thing, you would realize that the most earnest, hardworking, kind, honest people on earth will have a, 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 a mis- an error rate of X just because of the nature of the work. And you don't go crazy and act like it's a personal affront to you if a small mistake is made. I mean, if the person seems disdainful or abusive or whatever, okay, that's a different story. How about but, if they're standing around talking, texting people? Well, Your then, food's not coming. Then you ought to yell at them. Where's my food? Yeah, that's that's bad. That's that's being a bad employee. I'm not saying there are no bad employees or anything. but And then we got onto the conversation of... Uh, Declan had read something recently, and, and to you and me, it's it's kind of old hat, but he's a young man and all, that uh, one-way dates will uh, appraise you as how you treat the waitstaff, the busser, the person who uh, pours the water, the rest of it. Snapping from across the room, really good right. on first dates. Right. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. How empty does my cup have to be? Women really like it. I said light ice. How much ice does this look like to you, right. sir? <laughs> People really, they're impressed by that because they can see how important you are. Yeah, you're showing exactly. your dominance in the patriarchal uh, society. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you'll have many babies. Actually, I learned from a boss we once had, because I, I, this had never been introduced to me, that if you're really important, you pretend they don't exist. You don't acknowledge their existence at all. You don't say thank you when they fill their water or anything yes. like that. You pretend you don't even notice them. I will do that the day I die. Which is interesting. I've never and seen that. And I will that die at my own hand for having turned into that person. <laughs>
No offense to anybody who thinks that way. <laughs> but I'd rather be dead than you. That, that's a little offensive. Mm. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.